to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you hear and answer prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Amen. I have a couple of uh, announcements tonight before we move forward. There will be a Move the Mission Baked Goods auction in the lobby on Sunday, May 28th. So not this Sunday, but next. Uh, we will have a... Uh, this this auction, the idea is that you would you would do like almost like a silent auction. So we're not gonna, it won't be formal. Let me say it that way. But there will be baked goods out there to be purchased on in the lobby on May 28th. And um, if you would like to bake something for the auction, just contact Tanya Coley, and she will give you some direction along that line. And then, can you believe it? I'm announcing tonight. Kids camp starts June 5th. And goes all the way through June 9th. Those ages are ages 8 to 11. And so if you haven't registered yet, you should probably do that very, very quickly. Um, but to me, the, the broader point is, is that we are now announcing our very first youth camp of the season. It's hard to believe we're here, but we are. And uh, I know for most of our students, this is the last week of school for the 22-23 school year. And here we go, right? Buckle up. Summer's here. And uh, youth camp is here, all kinds of wonderful things. So make a note of that. Amen. If you got it, say amen. Someone said uh, one time that, um, isn't it interesting how uh, day by day, nothing seems to change? Every day, just day in and day out, nothing seems to change. But then when you look back years later, everything has changed. And um, that's such an important concept. It's such an important idea, especially as it applies to our spiritual disciplines, uh, to any discipline, anything that we're trying to do. Let's just say, for instance, you decide to, to exercise. Uh, on any given day, you may not feel or see a lot of change. Um, but, boy, you stick with that uh, in a healthy way over, say, a year, six months or a year, you'll look back and see how much has changed. You didn't even realize it. It's a very important point. It's a very important concept. But I'd like to apply it tonight specifically to our church attendance and especially Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, it is so important that we are faithful to the house of God, faithful to Bible study. And you are. Those of you that are here, we're, we are faithful week in and week out. But I want to encourage you uh, that, that you're, not, you're not wasting your time. And I, I don't think anybody here thinks that. But I just want to encourage you. Uh, you are investing uh, in the Word of God. You're investing in being in the presence of God and being a part of what God's doing in this community. And you may, you may leave on any given Wednesday night and, and just feel like, well, I, I don't know exactly what happened in my life tonight per se. But when you look back over a period of time, you see that you've grown in your knowledge of the Word of God. You see how God is re, re, interacting in your life and relating in your life in a way that maybe you, you had never seen before, and how he's flowing through you, and you're flowing in the spirit. Uh, D.L. Moody said, said it like this, probably to, to put a little bit of a finer point on it. I'd like to, to share this. D.L. Moody said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. Anybody ever felt that way or prayed that way? He said, faith did not seem to come, but one day, I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. 
I now opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. So you see, it's that daily, and in this case, in terms of, of, of specific Wednesday night Bible study, weekly application, opening our Bible, allowing the Word to grow in us, allowing faith to grow in us, allowing our relationship with God to grow over time, week in, week out, day in, day out. We'll look back and say, wow, look what God has done. Look how far He's brought us, and look how far He's brought our church to the purpose and, and plan that He has for us, the destiny that he has for us in this community. So keep up the good work, Grace Church, is what I'm telling you, is keep up the great work. When you invest daily in your walk with God, the dividends are huge, and it really pays off. God bless you tonight. Pastor's coming to teach Bible study. Would you clap your hands to Jesus as Pastor comes to the pulpit? Thank you, Brother Dave. Great comments. Wonderful comments. And oh, so true. Occasionally, <clears throat> Sister Murph will go to Walmart, and uh, I think she'll buy, it's a cake box. I think it's like Duncan Hines or something, and it's lemon-flavored. And then she buys that little tub of icing that's lemon-flavored and heats it in the microwave and pours it. On top of that, it's the kind of cake you make that's got the hole in the middle of it. A bunt cake. They are amazing. And then sometimes on occasions, she'll make the same kind of bunt cake. I think she buys the yellow cake mix. I think it's Duncan Hines. And she buys the tub of chocolate icing. And she'll put it in the microwave for however long, get it good and soft, and pour that on top of that cake. So if y'all need any ideas for the bake auction coming up, uh, Sister Tanya, I just gave somebody two right there, and you're welcome. And uh, if that wanders through the door, one of those cakes, if somebody could give Pastor a heads up, uh, I'll give uh, somebody, because I'll be spiritual in here working the altars, of course, while y'all are out there doing that. And uh, so I'll miss it, but I'll need to give. Maybe Tanya can text me, and um, I'll just give her a bid amount and just run it up to that, especially if it's the lemon one. Now, don't go to Walmart and buy their Walmart brand great value cake mix and the great value tub of, I don't want it. I want the real thing. So if it can't be made by scratch, that's the closest thing. So don't buy that cheap junk. By the real thing, this is for Jesus and pastor. So <laughs> We take advantage of opportunities when we can, don't we? And I uh, mentioned a bake sale. I just thought I would put my two cents out there, so there you go. Maybe Sister Murphy would make one and just forget it at the house and then make one later to make up for it. I think that would be a good plan, and we'd come out real cheap on that deal. Uh, so there you go. Great to see everybody here tonight. Along with Brother Dave, it's great to see people grow in the Word of God, to see uh, the church grow. I'm so thankful for our Wednesday night attendance. It is so consistent, and uh, could there be more certainty? 
But uh, one thing I have learned is when we show up on Wednesday night, there's going to be people here that are hungry for the Word of God, hungry to hear it. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for that. Speaking of the Word of God, uh, last Wednesday night we announced that we'd like to start the curriculum. It's designed for home Bible study. But uh, um, we, there's several people that are interested in that. And um, I have persuaded myself to do it. <clears throat> and uh, uh, we'll launch an every Sunday effort. If that doesn't work, then we'll go to every other Sunday. But we're planning to hold the Bible study in classroom two. It's right through those double doors right across the hall. Uh, I chose the one with the uh, coffee maker. And uh, maybe some of those baked goods can make their way down the hall occasionally on Sunday and a dozen donuts here and there. But we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a great time, and we're going to start that on June 4th. Um, just in a few weeks, June 4th. I will ask you if you plan to attend, if you would please bring a King James Version Bible with you. What I'm saying is don't bring New King James or the New International Version or the Message or the, all the other Bibles. They're not close. They're not close enough for me. Uh, for Bible study especially. So if you can bring a King James Version, uh, if you can't, maybe we can order a few off the Internet. Uh, the little King James gift Bibles are five bucks. Uh, we'll get you one. Just let the church office know if you can't get your hands on one, we'll get you one. And uh, I have about, I think, six or seven people that are signed up for it. We have room for about five or six more. So... Uh, I'm real excited, real excited about the group that's, that has signed up already and uh, looking forward to that. But if there's five or six more that would like to be a part of it, uh, let Sister Landry know. And I am happy to say tonight that she was informed uh, of this Bible study. Last Wednesday night, they had a technical issue at their house and didn't even hear or see my presentation about that until later in the week and her phone is ringing and texting I want to be a part of the Bible study and she's like what Bible study that'll, that'll teach you about technology doesn't it uh, and also in addition to that bring your King James Bible and a notepad if you'd like to take some notes unless you have a, just a tremendous memory and uh, also we're going to make an effort to have someone record it uh, video recorded um, I think we have enough camera strength around here to do that and then perhaps it might make it to our website and so if you miss one here and there uh, maybe you can go back and watch it uh, at a later time so remember that I've been asked for a number of years uh, why don't you record the home Bible study and it's a lot of work for somebody to set all that up but maybe this time we can make that commitment and then when somebody wants to watch it or if you want to go through it again, you would certainly have access to it. I'm not putting it, would not make it public to be scrutinized. I'm not going to debate anybody. I have my viewpoint of scripture and that's what I teach. And uh, it's really not open for debate. I don't believe in debate. God is not the author of confusion. And um, if you choose to disagree with anything I teach, that's your prerogative. And as I say, oftentimes, if you want to be wrong, go ahead. Uh, I'm, 
I'm teasing. We'll have a lot of fun. It's going to be a great time. I want to launch into our presentation tonight. I'll be probably somewhat treachy here tonight as we've described. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the wonderful, powerful, uh, everlasting words of Jesus. Matthew 16, 18, And I say unto the, also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about our purpose as a church, hashtag we're coming. Our purpose as a church, hashtag we're coming. With that being said, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're going to do something very special for our we're coming theme. And uh, it's going to be a limited time, a limited opportunity. And if you miss, you've missed it out. You've missed it, you've missed out, what have you. So if you want to plan to be here not this coming Sunday, which I believe is the 21st, but the following Sunday, which I believe is the 28th. Somebody say amen. Our purpose as a church, hashtag, we're coming. Um, this is, in Matthew chapter 16, this is the first distinct mention of the church in the New Testament. Jesus said, I will build my church I will I will build my church I heard a pastor preaching one time I've never forgotten it he'd always talked about he would always refer to his church as my church my church my church this my church that and his church ran out of money during the building program and it was literally going bankrupt and he had a prayer meeting and decided now it's God's church not mine and you can do whatever you want to with it so uh, it's never my church. It's always been his church. We do not build the church on our own. When we build the church, we are simply cooperating with Jesus, who is the master builder. He's the one that came up with the plan. He oversees it, and he makes sure that it is built right. The word church is used in the... Uh, New Testament some 140 times and not once is it ever referred to as a material building. The word church is used 140 times in the New Testament is never one time referred to as a brick and mortar building. The language used of the church in the Bible could not be applied to a building. For example, the Bible said the Lord added to the church. That's a body of believers. The Bible said that Herod vexed the church. It's not a building. The church was persecuted. The Bible said that Paul saluted the church. The Bible said in one place that the churches had rest. This isn't talking about a building. It's talking about people. Only in the traditions of men can people Go to church. 
The church is not a denomination. Denominationalism is contrary to Scripture and evidence of carnality and division. It is. Not being critical, it's information. It's an observation. It's, an, it's evidence of carnality and division. Here's why. Denominations are usually formed around a form of church government or formed around a certain doctor, doctrinal emphasis or some measure of truth or even a personality that God used in some revival in the history of the church or some experience. The tragedy is that each revival of truth finds its most bitter enemies in the previous group that had light from heaven but stopped somewhere along the way. I am a strong proponent and study of the history or the evolution of various denominations. The people at the beginning of that denomination of what it became was headed in the right direction, but oftentimes stopped before God was done revealing truth to them. So we have found that we have found that history repeats itself in each generation. Listen to Pastor tonight. The only thing we learn from history is that we never learn from history. We must constantly, and we say this at Grace Church often, we must constantly guard against the degenerating cycle of message, man, movement, and monument. That's the progression. Brother Tenney taught that hard on numerous occasions. We must constantly guard against the degenerating cycle of message, man, movement, and then a monument. Notice that Jesus does not say he will build his churches. He said, I will build my church. There's only one church, and its message has never changed. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what man does. The message of the true book of Acts church has never changed. It hasn't. The church was not plan B in the mind of God. It wasn't something he defaulted to when something else didn't work. The church was not merely instituted after the rejection of Christ, but rather the church was prophesied all throughout the entire Old Testament. The Bible said in Genesis 22:18 that all nations were to be blessed by the seed of Abraham. I understand that we're not Jewish people sitting here with a natural bloodline to Abraham. But I do understand after the new birth experience, we become the spiritual seed of Abraham and that all families of the earth have been blessed because of the presence of the church in this world. All kindreds of the nations would worship the Lord, the Bible said. In the last days, all nations would flow to the house of God. In Isaiah chapter 2, Gentiles would seek the root of Jesse, which is of Christ, talking about the church, the kingdom of God. Many nations would be sprinkled with the blood of the Messiah, Isaiah said in Isaiah 52. 
many nations would be joined to the Lord in that day in Zechariah chapter 2. The name of the Lord would be great among the Gentiles in Malachi chapter 1. In his name, the Gentiles would trust him in Matthew chapter 12. The church has been prophesied from the very beginning of time all throughout the Old Testament. God didn't default to the church when he was crucified and said, well, they didn't like me, let me try that. This was his plan all along to restore the relationship between him and lost mankind. It was the establishment of the church, and that was the purpose of the church. Everybody say amen. So the kingdom of God is much larger than the church. The kingdom of God includes the church, but it includes more than the church. The kingdom of God includes the whole entire universe as we know it. The kingdom of God includes all of the angelic host. It includes all of the Old Testament saints. We can prove that in Scripture. However, the New Testament church is the centerpiece of God's kingdom and its most important part. If you live between the day of Pentecost and the rapture, you must be in the church or the kingdom of God, born into the kingdom of God, according to John chapter 3, if you're going to be saved. Jesus said the prophets who gave these prophecies and even the angels would love to participate in the things that are happening during the church age. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and heard those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. I believe there's a lot of angels in heaven, if not all of them would love to know how it feels to be filled up with the spirit and power of Almighty God. They live in His presence, but they don't have His presence in them, not like we do. And I thank God for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost tonight. How about you? Amen. I believe Moses would love to have seen the royal priesthood as Peter described in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. I believe Isaiah would, have, would, would love to have seen the day of Pentecost, according to Isaiah chapter 28, 10 through 12. And oh my goodness, if there is ever a prophet in the Old Testament that I believe would have given anything to have been in the upper room, it would have been the very well-known prophet that we quote oftentimes, his name is Joel, because he's the one that said, It shall come to pass afterwards, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Who more would have wanted to be in the upper room than Joel would have? I'm here to present to us tonight the church, who we are tonight, who we are a part of tonight, is not God's afterthought. This is his masterpiece. This is his plan for mankind. This is how you get into the presence of God, and this is how you get the presence of God in you. And we all know, and we've all heard it before, but the church 
is the only thing that God ever had to buy. The church is the only thing that ever cost him something. The church is the only thing that he ever had to purchase. He created everything else, but the church cost him dearly. Do we understand tonight that we are privileged beyond measure to be a part of the church of the living God? I thank God tonight that I'm a part of the church, a part of a body of believers that loves God. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Hallelujah. I'm here to present to you tonight the church is not, excuse me, the church is the only thing that cannot be shaken. Hebrews chapter 12 says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The church can't be shaken. The earth is to be shaken according to Isaiah chapter 2. The nation of Israel is to be shaken according to Ezekiel 38. The heavens and the nations, the heavens and the nations are to be shaken according to Haggai chapter 2, 6, and 7. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But the church cannot be shaken. The Bible said the gates of hell shall not, cannot prevail against the church. Why? Because Jesus is the one that is building it. He is not going to construct something that can be torn down by the devil and all of his demons. Don't you think God can do that? Heaven has survived. He created that, and the devil's never overtaken heaven. He got kicked out of heaven. God has proven he knows how to defeat the devil. So also did he make the church where the devil cannot prevail against the church. God is going to always have a church. He's prophesied that one of these days he will rapture a church out of here. Let's go through Matthew 16 again in the Amplified Version, verse 18. Jesus said, this is the Amplified Bible, I tell you, you are Peter, a large piece of rock, is what his name means. And on this rock, the Amplified Version says, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. The word infernal region encompasses, includes everything evil, everything sinful, everything demonic, everything satanic. Everything, every ounce, every fiber of power the devil can muster is not enough to overpower the church. Now I want to point something out to us tonight. We know that Peter's name, Petros, means rock. It actually means a large piece of rock. But Jesus said, according to the Amplified Version, and on this rock... A huge rock like Gibraltar. 
have a picture of that. They can put it on the screen if it works. Uh, no? Okay, no picture. Um, I have a picture here. I'll show you my picture. Uh, of the Rock of Gibraltar, picture was taken of it in 2006. And uh, to you and I, it probably wouldn't look like that big of a deal because we're familiar with the Rocky Mountains and the Smoky Mountains and we've seen pictures of Mount Everest. These people back then didn't have access to all of that. They, they didn't know all that stuff existed. So to them, the Rock of Gibraltar was just huge. Uh, it soared. To them, it soared up out of the sea. Uh, I believe it's between 1,500 and 2,000 feet. And uh, it is literally a solid piece of rock. The interesting thing about it is back then it existed just like it does today. They looked at that as a um, something permanent, something eternal. Back then there was no measure of equipment. Man did not have the strength or the power to do anything with this giant piece of stone that just came, looked like just rising out of the sea. This is what they had in their mind when God said, I'm going to build my church on that kind of rock. And there's no amount of power on this planet, in this planet, around this planet that can do anything to my church. I don't, want to, I don't want to split hairs with anybody here tonight, but uh, I think we should have learned a lesson through COVID-19. We should have learned a lesson. And yeah, there was a lot of wonderful people that passed, had the virus passed away, a lot of ministers, preachers, saints. We lost a lot of people. But it's interesting to me that the church still remains. And it's probably in my opinion, stronger now than it was then. So not only is the church powerful because of what it is built on, which is a revelation of God in Christ, that's what the church is built on. When you get a revelation of God in Christ, you're undefeatable by the devil, is what Jesus is saying. So it's not only... It cannot be overpowered because of what it's built on. But it cannot be overpowered because of what it knows. Y'all didn't just hear what I said. If you've had a revelation of God in Christ, there's something that comes with that that's not even describable. I heard Billy Cole preaching it because of times years ago. I was at that service and I've watched it many times on YouTube since then. He said that he has waded in, he's preached all around the world, and he has waded into some areas of the demonic that would terrify most people even knowing that that kind of a place existed. He weighed into that. I don't want to make fun. He wasn't making fun. But I remember him telling the story. I've told you this story before, but um, he had elders and deacons trained in his church in Ethiopia that when he would... Uh, when, when they would recognize someone as literally devil-possessed, uh, 
that they would let him know somebody's here and they're, they're devil possessed. He said, good, go get a blanket and tie them up and just prop them against the wall over there. I want them to hear this entire service. I want the devil to be glued over there where he has to listen to us edify Jesus and lift God up and worship and shout and dance and praise and talk in tongues and do all that stuff. And then when church is over and everybody's leaving, then we'll cast the devil out. That's not arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's not ego. Listen to pastor. It's knowledge. When Peter said, thou art the Christ, it unleashed a power in this earth that God ordained to people who have experienced revelation like that. What do you think this whole scripture setting is about? Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And they gave, all, they gave three different answers. Then he said, who do you say that I am? It was important that they didn't have knowledge of him, but they knew him. And by knowing that, it does something to the heart and mind of a man or a woman. And it makes you immovable by the power of revelation, the power of knowledge. And Jesus said, because of that, because of that, because of that, my church will never be overpowered by the devil. Then he went on to say, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, that is, declare to be unproper improper and unlawful I will give you this is amplified version I will give you the keys of kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind that is declared to be improper and unlawful on earth must be already bound in heaven so if you declare it on earth then it has to already be unlawful and improper in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth declare lawful must be what is already loosed or approved of in heaven. Jesus didn't give Peter keys and say, here, do whatever you want. You can drive the car wherever you want. You can do the house, whatever you want. He did not. That came with strong parameters of accountability and responsibility. In other words, God is telling Simon Peter, he didn't know it, but he found out later what it was about. You're going to be asked a question one day by somebody, by a crowd of people. They're going to ask you, what must we do essentially to be saved to be reconciled back to God, to be right with God, and you can't say anything other than what has already been approved in heaven. So when Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost, it's like heaven just put a stamp. You go, buddy. You repeated verbatim what I taught you to say when I was with you. You blew it out of the park. And because of this, my church will never pass away. Oh, yes. So Jesus taught two principles in this passage of Scripture. First, the church is built on a message. It's built on knowledge. It's built on revelation. It's not built on a man. I believe I can prove that to you. In Matthew chapter 28, when they all ascended to the Mount of Olives, and they, some began to worship Jesus and some doubted, Jesus made sure and corrected them about worshiping a God that you don't believe in. Don't say I'm God when you don't believe I'm God. Don't worship and play like you think I'm God when you don't believe I'm God. He proved that point. The church is built on a message, not a man. Men come and go. 
They succeed and fail, but the true revelation of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. When Again, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ. The second thing we learn from this passage of Scripture is that we must build the church according to God's blueprint if we want to have His blessing. The words bind and loose are perfect passive participles in the Greek language indicating things that have already been forbidden or things that have already been permitted. You can't just do whatever you want and then expect God to bless it. This is why it makes me so nervous and I stress over it and I can't help it about people who used to take the word of God, hold it dear to their heart and do everything they can to obey every part of it and then all of a sudden there's some kind of a Walmart light goes off in their head. A devil light goes off in their head. Say, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And I don't believe that part anymore. And I believe it, 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 it wears me out. I, I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know where that comes from. Because Jesus made it very clear that he was not going to allow his church to be built on a message that was not approved of in heaven. And neither was he going to allow things to be preached in his church that were forbidden in heaven. If you don't believe the Bible, but you still believe you're going to heaven, I just hope it works out. If a contractor builds a house for someone, he sticks to the blueprint, which is the will of the purchaser. If we want to build a church, we need to stick to the blueprint, which is the Bible, which is the will of the purchaser, who is God. Otherwise, we are not really building a church. We need to understand God's blueprint for building his church. And that is our purpose. To understand God's blueprint, God's Bible, and what he wants us to do in building his church. So I want to mention a couple of things as I let out the landing gear. It wasn't said here recently that when a pastor says, I'm concluding, it really doesn't mean anything. Um, I try to make it meaningful. Brother Cooper, he's up here just laughing, laughing, laughing. He needs some correction when he gets home now. What I do is try to give you hope. It's what I try to do. It's not a promise. I'm just trying to get you hopeful. All right. The first thing that is our, our biblical responsibility to do is according to the scripture to build the church. This is our purpose. Number one is to do and teach. Luke said in Acts chapter 1 verse 1, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Jesus' ministry was all about doing and teaching, doing and teaching. I'm going to show you the importance of this. One refers to his miracle working power. The other refers to his doctrine. Jesus did not work miracles just for miracle's sake, but he used them as a conduit through which to teach doctrine. For example, he healed a blind man that couldn't see, that lived in darkness. He healed a blind man and then said, I am the light of the world. Preached about that this past Sunday. He fed 5,000 and taught, I am the bread of life. He used these miracles as a conduit 
to teach his doctrine. He also did not teach just for teaching's sake, but he taught them, the Bible said, as one having authority. Not as the scribes just babbling on about stuff. He taught them as one having authority, and I believe that's the difference between having the anointing or not having the anointing. The anointing gives the teacher authority. So the Bible teaches that doing without teaching is wrong. It is wrong to have spirit without truth because that leads to apostasy. It is obedience to doctrine that saves us, not just a move of the spirit that makes us feel good. It is not your feeling, but your obedience that makes you a Christian. Timothy said, and Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing so, this shall both save thyself and them that hear thee. But teaching without doing is also wrong. It is wrong to have truth without spirit. Because that leads to apathy. God holds us responsible for what we do with what we know. And talking about revival doesn't bring revival. Amen. James said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Grace Church must both do and teach if we want the blessing of God. Jesus said in John 4, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Those are two different things and you have to have both in balance. The second purpose we have in the church is to witness and wait. Witness and wait. In Acts chapter 1, verse 7, he said unto them, This is Jesus, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his own power, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and so on. God has two words for time in the Bible. The Greek points this out very clearly. God has two words for time. First of all, there's chronos, which means time governed by the clock. It's what we would call quantity time. And then there's kairos, which means time measured by special moments. And this is what we would call quality time. The key is that you have to take advantage of kairos time at the moment it happens or you lose it forever. It's that photo opportunity. It's that moment when you say, man, I wish I'd had my camera. People have told me stories of people falling, for example. And I asked them, where was your phone? I'd love to see that. And just laugh and laugh and laugh. Y'all wouldn't want to see that? I didn't know that's funny to y'all or nothing. I mean, I just got this blank stare. Um, your kid's doing funny stuff. When the young chap, young ladies, gets down on one knee and says, my sweet, beautiful angel, he says angel because y'all are always up in the air harping on something. That's what angelic means. It's not funny. Nothing. I need Owen. Owen, can you help me out here, buddy? When he gets down on one knee and says, my sweet, beautiful, love, honey, darling, I will love you forever for eternity. 
would you marry me? That's a photo opportunity. No? Maggie, what are you looking for? Looking behind you. Sister Patricia, I need to be talking to her. Sister Pat, that is a photo opportunity when that young man gets down on. Let me just move on. Y'all aren't getting none of this, so forget about it. Just a little lighten the atmosphere a little bit, and I'm getting mannequin practice here tonight. Jesus said he prophesied to the Jewish people in Luke 19, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because you knew not the time of thy visitation. It's karyos time. It's the time of a moment. Guys, do y'all understand? Can you foresee the day where you might kneel down in front of some pretty little girl? I mean, Owen's the only one shaking his head. Dawson, you know, y'all never think about this stuff, man. What's wrong with you parents? What are y'all teaching your kids these days? It's never to get married, never to fall in love with anybody or whatever. In Acts 24, the Bible said, And he, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, told Paul, Go thy way for this time. For when I have a convenient season, or when I have a convenient time, I will call for thee. To my knowledge, the Bible makes no mention of that ever happening. Ephesians 5, so that when... Uh, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It go on and on. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. I'm talking about witness and wait. When the disciples asked when Jesus was going to restore the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, he told them that it was not for them to distinguish between the time, calendar time, chronos time, and seasons, which was karyos times, because only God controls times of supernatural visitation. Only God has power or authority over the results of our prayer, over our worship, and over our work. But He has given us power to be a witness. We have to understand the difference in these things. So the key to revival and harvest is for the church to exercise its ability until God exercises His authority. Witness and wait. And I am concluding. Third thing is to rise above and go beyond. Acts chapter 1 verse 25, that he might take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. I want to conclude with this tonight and... I wanted to stick with everybody as much as everything else I've said here tonight except that marriage proposal thing. That went over like a lead balloon anyway. Don't try to joke around with these kids anymore. They don't get nothing. So anyway, I want to hear some more complaining. (laughs) Everybody listen in conclusion. Sometimes we mistakenly think that the early church was somehow more spiritual than we are today. But the book of Acts, and we never hear this preached because it is so morbid. It is such a very difficult event that happened in the book of Acts. But the apostles still had to deal with it. One of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, 
not only betrayed Christ, not only betrayed him, we understand that, sold him 30 pieces of silver, sold him cheap, betrayal, the definition, the ultimate definition of betrayal. Not only did he do that, that's one whole set of emotions. That's one whole thing that the other 11 and other people that knew the, the 12 and loved them and so on. Not only did they have to deal with that, with the betrayal, how could he do that? Why did he do that? What possessed him to do that? Why did this have to happen? The ultimate betrayal. Not only did they have to deal with that, but then they get word a couple of days later that now he's killed himself. I don't know if you have ever been challenged emotionally by the death of a suicide. Personally, I haven't in all of my ministry, and I thank God for that. But I am oftentimes, and I pray oftentimes, that God keeps his hand on the emotional structure of every person in this church, that they would never take that step and never commit that act. If you think the book of Acts is just one big, giant Holy Ghost explosion, you've been misled. It was that. But they also had to deal with the deep hurt and those unanswerable questions on why did this happen to one of us? Why did it have to be Judas? Why, why, why couldn't it have been a thief? Why, why couldn't it have been somebody that just hated Jesus? Why did it have to be a follower? Why did it have to be someone that we all embraced and, and apparently embraced us at one time? And, and all of that, all of that, all of that. But they had to deal with a betrayal and they had to deal with his suicide. And the Bible is very clear and I think Luke was very kind when he said that Judas, that he might go on to his own place. He didn't pronounce him to hell and say, I hope he burns forever. He wasn't judgmental. He was very kind. But this was just prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it's interesting to me. I'll never forget, I've talked about it, I reference it often, when my dad passed away, if I remember right, it was he was one of the first that came that, that passed away when Brother Young assumed, Curtis Young assumed the pastorate of the First Pentecostal Church in Baton Rouge in 1972. Brother Young came to be pastor in 1972. The church was so broken, it had been without a pastor for a year. Many, many people had left. He came to pastor. He started what was called Center of Interest Sunday School. And then people just started dying, one person after another. Gertrude Mitchell died, my dad died, Brother Farah died, uh, Brother Charles Irby died. Um, there was a, a Brother Watley would be uh, Chris's grandfather, passed away. Uh, I think somebody counted up within the space of less than a year, 10 stalwart people, backbone people, board members, People that had been there, Charles Irby was one of the first charter members of the First Pentecostal Church of Baton Rouge. All of these people died. It was just one funeral right after another. Horrible. My dad was in a coma for several days before he died. Sister Mitchell, I believe, died at home. Just screamed in pain all the time. 
they, the doctors did the best they could. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. Brother Young had to deal with that. But on the heels of that, on the heels of that, on the heels of that, I witnessed and countless other people witnessed one of the greatest revivals that I have ever experienced in my life anywhere. Right after all of that happened, there was well over 100 hippies that came to that church seeking God, seeking for something real. And man, they prayed through the Holy Ghost and turned that church upside down. And a very similar pattern happened in the book of Acts. Not only did they have to deal with Judas Iscariot, but they also had to deal with Ananias and Sapphira. These things happen. It even happens in the apostolic age. The, the thing that we must understand is you still witness and then you wait. And when God's timing is perfect, he pours out immeasurable amounts of his spirit. He heals people. He heals their broken heart. He heals their broken emotions. And besides that, he packs the church out. He packs a church out and you go to two services, three services, and so on. God's not done here. He's not done here at Grace. There's a supernatural time coming in the Holy Ghost. I believe some of it's already started, but it's going to be on the heels of some things that's been very challenging and very difficult for all of us. Amen. So our purpose as a church is to do and teach and to wait, to witness, to wait, and hang on and keep trusting, keep believing until God has his way in the Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Let's stand one more time if you would. Let's conclude by giving the Lord a good hand praise of appreciation for his promise. Thank the Lord. Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Walk around the building a few minutes before you go. Tell somebody, I like your hair, dude, and make them feel real good tonight before you leave. God bless you, and we'll see you Sunday morning.